Russia. And uh, I got a text this morning quite early, and he said he apologized for texting me so early, but he said he's going to another class. He's not sure when he's going to get out. And he said, I've already taught five times. He goes, and I don't know if they're getting tired of me. So (laughs) So, (laughs) I tell you what, let's just pray for Jeff right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our lead pastor, Jeff, and we thank you for Tracy. We thank you, Lord God, how he gives his life away, Lord. And what an honor it is to for him to be in Russia right now speaking to people who want to be pastors, Lord, in a different country. But the concept is the same. The heart is the same to care for the people that they've been in contact with. Give Jeff the words to say to encourage those young pastors that the church in Russia would grow, that others would know and have the hope that only you can give. We ask, Lord God, that you continue to give him safe journeys uh, around, and then when he gets back home, Lord, in your awesome and glorious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for showing up to church today. I appreciate it. We are going through the book of Judges, and today we're going to talk about Gideon. So if you want to find chapter 6, that would be really good. I'm Pastor Jamie. I get to be associate pastor of this church, and um, it's a great honor to be able to speak uh, to you guys today. It's not when a pastor says, I'm going to let you speak, and I'm not even away to hear this. It's, a, it's just a great honor to be here. So, so Judges 6. Well, we're in Judges, and it's a time between Joshua and the kings. And God has set up these judges to oversee Israel. It's a time of transition. And in Judges, Judges 2, 1 and 2, the angel Lord, this is what it says, the angel Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I had brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people in this land. But you shall break down their altars, yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? He promised the land to them. He said, I'm going to give you a covenant, and I love this. If there's one thing you get out of this, this text, is, I will never break my covenant with you. But he also says, do not make a covenant with any other God. Because you can't have two covenants, can you? You can't say, God, I'm fully committed to you and that thing over there, or that person over there, or that career over there. God has to be first. Break down the altars, because when you're doing that, it keeps pushing those things away, that God truly is number one in your life. Israel went through a cycle, a continual cycle, and it's four S's, and I can't take credit for these four S's, because I don't usually speak with, the four S's are such and such, but I thought it was so good, I I wrote it down. And the the four is sin, sorrow, supplication, and salvation. Sin. First, the Israelites find themselves in sin. They fall away from God. They're doing their own thing. They let the less of their eyes get the best of them. And there's sorrow because, you know what? Sin is fun for a season, but there's always sorrow to come. And when I say sorrow, it doesn't mean if you're going through sorrow right now, if you're going through pain, it doesn't mean that you've necessarily sinned because this is a fallen world. You may be suffering right now and maybe just one of the things. And maybe it may be something because of bad choices you've made. Um, my daughter uh, went to a, a birthday party yesterday, and part of it was going to Trampoline Nation. And my, and my wife and I gave her just one rule. Don't get hurt. 
Don't get hurt. I get a text later on as I'm studying the word. I got hurt, Dad. <laughs> so, so poor girl. She didn't do anything wrong. She's just having fun with her friends. There is sorrow in the world. And God still cares what you're going through. So if you're suffering, maybe God is trying to get your attention. God will use anything to get your attention. But in Israel, many times, it was because they'd walked away from God. Then there's supplication. Supplication basically praying. God, help me. We are in a tough spot here. And God listens, and he sends salvation. You see the cycle over and over again. And then he did the ultimate salvation when he brought Jesus, his son, showed us the way, died for our sins to give us hope. Because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. So now we're into Gideon chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Here we are, the sin. And for seven years he gave them unto the hands of the Midianites. It doesn't mean that God threw them under the bus. It doesn't mean that God gave up on them. But he did this. If this is what you really want to do, go. Have your sin. As a parent, how many times do we try to protect our kids? Don't touch that. That's hot. We have a, a, a gas fire wood stove, and not wood stove, but gas fireplace, and I put a, a screen in front of it so my kids can get protected. We've kept it up for many, many years because if they fall, at least they hit the screen and they don't hit their head. Because I think of myself as a loving father, and God I know is a loving father. But sometimes, if you're going to do it, you have a free will. Go ahead. Because the power of the Midian of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves, and in the mountain clefts, caves, and strong, caves and strongholds. These guys, it's their land, but now they're in hiding. Whenever the Israelites planted their crop, the Midian, Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the. I'm sorry, they ruined the crops all the way to the way. Uh, sorry, guys. They they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to the Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. It mentions Gaza. You've heard the Gaza Strip. That's the same place. These people came from the east, invaded the land, took whatever they wanted, and then all the way west. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. So they invaded the land to ravage it. These weren't just like little wanderers like, hey, there's some food over here. Hey, what's going on? No, they ravaged the land. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And here is the sorrow and there is the supplication. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to the Joash the Abzerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Now, normally when you're threshing wheat, there's a, there's a, cha- there's a wheat and there's a chaff. And what you have to do is normally throw it in the air, let the wind take the chaff, and what's left is the wheat. You do this in the open air. 
But because if they do that, they're going to steal his food. So now he's doing it in hiding in a wine press. Probably not that easiest way to do it. But seven years of this. Seven years. And now they found themselves on their knees. When the angel Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I don't know, if I was Gideon, I'm kind of wondering, is this an angel or is this a comedian? Because here I am in hiding. I do not look like a mighty warrior. I am, <laughs> I am doing this in secret so that those guys don't steal my food. I love Gideon's uh, politeness here. In verse 12, Pardon me, Lord, <laughs> my Lord. Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Israelites were called to remember what God had done in Egypt so they would not forget that God is faithful, that God will take care of them. He started their their nation in Egypt as slaves. And they called Moses and he set them free. And so many times in the Old Testament, they refer back to Egypt saying, remember what I did back then. Remember what I did back then. Remember what I did back then. You know why? Because we forget. And they forgot. And he says something interesting here. His perspective is wrong. But now the Lord has abandoned us. God has not abandoned them. He allowed them. Because as Israelites, they abandoned God. And God, only reason he did this was he knew it was going to turn their hearts back to him. When life is going good, or when life is going hard, or when you hit rock bottom, there's a difference how we cry out for the Lord. And if you're going through, if life is great right now, I'm sincerely, I mean, I'm really happy for you guys. But maybe some of you are going for a tough spot. Or maybe you've hit rock bottom. And that's not a great place to be, but the only when you say you hit rock bottom, you can only do is look back up. And that's a great place to be. Because when you're humble and life is humble to you, you start to hear God's voice. You start to change your life. And you start seeing how God can work in your life. Verse 14, The Lord returned to him and said, Go in strength you have, uh, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God's saying, hey, I'm with you. What is there to worry about? Verse 15, uh, 15, pardon me, my Lord. Once again, a very polite guy. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. You ever feel like God has called you to do something you feel totally unequipped to do? The thing with these people in the Bible... We can look and go, wow, it's, it's so many thousands of years ago. What can I relate with Gideon? What can I relate with this person? I personally feel that people are people. And it doesn't matter if it's 2019 or 3,000 years ago. They, we still desire the same things. We still want food, shelter, clothing. We want family. We want connection. We still have a desire, a deep, deep desire to connect with God, our Creator. And here he is, I don't feel equipped. I'm the weakest in my, in my tribe. And I am also the weakest in my family. God, you got the wrong guy. God, you got the right, wrong gal. But God's saying, no, 
I want you to love that person. I want you to love your boss. I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to love your mom, your dad, even though they drive you crazy. I want to do good things, great things through you. The Lord answered, I will bless you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So even though God, even though Gideon is talking to an angel, he's still like, is this really you, God? And God is so patient with him. God will be patient with you. He asks for a sign. So Gideon goes and makes a meal, some meat and potatoes or something like that. And uh, that would be something I'd want, but meat and something else. And uh, he brings it to the angel. The angel says, put it on that rock. He puts it on the rock. The angel gets his staff and touches the meat, touches the food, and it burns up. And right then, then Gideon knows, oh, wow, I am really talking to God. And he, and he, he has this great amount of fear after that. And God says, Peace, I'm not going to kill you. Do not be afraid. So many times when people come in connection with an angel or with God himself, peace. God brings peace. Do not be afraid. So in verse 24, Gideon says, he builds an altar and calls the altar, the Lord is peace. Altars are very famous in the Old Testament. All the time, they're building altars. And altars, basically, there's a bunch of rocks and be a pile. And people walk by and go, what's this? Oh, that's an altar. Uh, Gideon made that one. It's called the, the, my Lord is my peace, you know. The Lord is peace. Oh, why is that? Oh, well, that, that's when God really worked through Gideon. The reminders. We have, uh, we have lots of reminders called pictures in our family, you know. You guys probably have the same thing. Love looking at pictures, and seeing when the kids are younger, especially kids, because they're so sweet. They're so, so small. And going, why oh, you guys are so small? A couple years ago, we got to go to Disneyland. There's a picture of us in front of the castle. And we're looking at the kids. And they all look the same, but they're all much taller now. Uh, back then, Lydia was a, a head below Amy. And now she's actually slight above her now. <laughs> so it, it happened, Amy. Sorry, you know. Back then, Amy had bigger feet. And now they've got bigger feet than her, you know. It's... <laughs> Don't worry, you still have Adelaide. Adelaide's our little, tiny, petite little one, so <laughs> he may be taller than her. But those are our memories. We love looking at pictures, right? And I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Or if you go to certain places, our favorite vacation place, I've said this before, is, is Seaside, Oregon. You go there, we go the same things every time. Why? Because we love it. It's great memories. Great times of rest. And that's what he does there. Gideon makes an altar and says, this remind us what God has done for us. That same night, God says to, to Gideon, Hey, I want you to tear down an altar that was made for Baal and cut, to, cut down the Asherah pole. That, that was actually his dad's. So uh, he does this. He, he, um, oh, and then also when you, you're going to build, you're going to cut down the Asherah pole and then you're going to build an altar a burnt, for a burnt offering for a bull. So Gideon says, Okay, I'm going to do this. He grabs ten servants and he does it at night when no one's around. And so he cuts the Asherah pole. And basically, you know, this... It doesn't really matter what it is. The point is that people were worshiping it instead of worshiping God. 
but he tears down the altar that was for Baal, has the extra pole, cuts it down, and uses that same wood for an altar, for a burnt offering uh, for God. He does all this in the night and then sneaks away. Now, uh, I am a product of the 80s, um, and I don't see it very often. It's probably a good thing, but there was a big thing called TPing. Did anybody ever admit to TPing a neighbor or a friend? Okay, good, okay. <laughs> so, my brother was really the guy who did it more than I did, but I joined him sometimes, and it was kind of fun. And, of course, you, you find a friend, and there was one family used to go to our church, and they had three girls, and uh, we were friends with the two older girls. And uh, so we went there and sneaked out, and because if you really know the people and you get caught, it's so embarrassing. But the fun of it, you know, you go there and you get the toilet paper and you spin it, throw it around, and you don't do anything that's going to damage the property because, hey, it's washed and it's going to rain before you know it's gone. So we did this, and by the time we're done, it was beautiful. It looked like a white Christmas, you know. If you, if you, wear, if you wear contacts or glasses, you take your glasses off, you think it snowed, you know. It was just, we looked in honor, but my brother is not very, he does not have a very good poker face, so I thought, we'll trick him a little bit. So in toilet paper, I said, hi, Kim. Kim is the third girl that wasn't really our friend, and so just to kind of take the, you know, the notice off us. And the next, we saw them at like church or some, some kind of gathering, and, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. And I said, oh, we got TV. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, but we think it was Kim's friends. And, said, and so, so our parents made Kim clean up the toilet paper, and so, <laughs> and so I actually felt quite, I felt a little bad about that, but... <laughs> So, and to this day, they don't know, unless they catch this sermon, you know, and they're like, Toady, I'm coming after you now. <laughs> Just a few years later. <laughs> but we did it in secret, and that's what Gideon did. He tore all this down in secret. It's okay. You know, God meets you where you're at. He was, fra- he was afraid. He wanted to really know this is really from God. God met him where he's at. He did it at night, and God was like, that's okay. You obeyed me. Well, they're pretty good detectives back in the Israelite days. They figured out pretty quick that it was Gideon, and they wanted to kill him for it. Gideon's dad steps in and says, No, <laughs> if, if Bell's so offended, why don't you let Bell take care of it? But I'm not going to let you t- touch my son. It's interesting that his dad was not offended by what he did. His dad actually stood up, stood up for him. And, and he, didn't just, he lived. And then they gave him a new, a new name. They actually called him... Um, they give, you know, He's probably known as Gideon to everybody else, but they call him Jerob Baal, which means let Baal contend with him. So to everybody else, says, hey, there's, let Baal contend with him. But, but it started a great trend of we're tearing down the altars, we're tearing away the, the old life, and we're starting a new life. God will be the center of this. Maybe for some of you, when you first became a Christian, there were things you had to say no to. You had to tear, tear down. And some things aren't even bad. There are some things that people can do that I've chosen not to do because it's not good for me. There may be entertainment you guys might like to do that I cannot do, or vice versa. There are places where someone who is like struggling with alcohol does not want to go to a bar because it's going to bring them down. And that's okay. If things are going to tear you down, bring you down, turn away your walk. If there's people in your life that you really shouldn't be hanging out as much because they bring out the worst in you, then you shouldn't be hanging out with them. Make choices that are going to bring life. Well, after all this, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. He calls the men of Israel and they respond. He's really excited. Okay, now I got my army. And then he starts getting a little scared. 
So he says, hey, God, you said you're with me. Can we do a couple tests here? Actually, just, just, can we do one test? And God says, okay. Okay, I'm going to bring out fleece. I'm going to put it out. And the next morning, if the fleece is all wet and the ground is dry, I know you're with me. God says, okay. Next morning, comes out, grabs the fleece. The fleece is wet, squeezes it into a bowl. And there's a bowl full of water. Wow, God is with me. And the ground is dry. Hey, God, can we do one more test? <laughs> Have you been this way? Uh, just to make sure. God, is this really you? And he says, okay, this time we'll have the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. Next morning, sure enough, there it is. The ground is dry and the, uh, the, fle- the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. Okay, God, you're with me. I remember when I was uh, late teens, early 20s, and I was going to community college and I was really struggling. I was not motivated. I had no vision for it. It was just a, kind of a hard time in my life. And I remember meeting with my college and career pastor, and we were talking about it. He was talking about there was a church on the, on the peninsula, um, actually, actually, it's island, it would be island. And uh, he said, there is a pastor who needs someone to start up a youth group. And I thought of you. Why don't you pray about it? And I thought about it. Boy, it, it actually sparked an interest in me. There was an opportunity to serve in a way I've never done before. I've had no training as a youth pastor. But then I thought about more. There's no youth group at all. There's zero kids. If I go the whole summer and there's no kids, I broke even. I have not failed. <laughs> but I, I had some debts, and my parents were, were willing to help me pave these debts. And the idea was in the summertime, I was going to work and pay off those debts. But I came to my mom and dad, and I said, okay, God, if my parents say yes to this, and they back me up, I will go. I will go to the, I will go to Woodby Island. I'll help this new pastor. It's not even a new pastor, but a new pastor to the church. And I'll try this. I'll stick my neck out for this. And my parents, my dad first was like, huh, maybe this would be good for him. Talked to my mom, she agreed. And that was, and I'm not always like this, but for me, that was my fleece. That was my time when I said, God, are you going to, I want to respond and I want to obey. If this is really you, give me my parents' blessing. And they did. I went for three months. It was tough. If there's any, any ideas of how ministry is like, oh, it's just great. Jeff walks in and talks to people and prays for people and everything is easy. In two weeks' time, that was all simply gone because you see that people are people. People have hard times. People are dealing with things. People sometimes are not the nicest of people and they expect a lot of their pastors. That was all gone. I, I, I still said, wow, I think I like this ministry thing. So I stayed a full year, and then I eventually went up to Bible college. But that was, that was the start. I had like 20 kids after that. Uh, people came along. I got this guy who was newly saved, and he's, he did worship for me. I had a family come, a husband and wife, and their two kids, and they would host their house for get-togethers. God supplied all, everything I need, even though I was a young single guy. And a lot of great memories there. It started a great thing for me. So chapter 7, Gideon has... 22,000 men to help with his army. But God says, uh, Gideon, that's too many. We need to weed some out. So he says, Gideon, tell, ask the men, if any of them are trembling with fear because of the Midianites, tell them they can go. So Gideon obeys. Okay, if you're scared, you can go. So it goes from 22,000 to 10,000. He loses over half his army. All right, God, I got it. Here's, here's our army now. And God says, no, it's still too big. What? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, we are fighting the Midianites. You know that guy, right? Still too many. Okay. So now you're going to take them to take them into the water and have them drink. And those who get on their knees and drink, compared to those who cup and lap like a dog, those are the two indicators. Those guys who go like a cup and lap like a dog, those are the guys. That's your army. <laughs> really? Okay. The guys that lap like a dog. Okay. Got it. Only 300 are left. So now Midian has this small army of 300 men. God did this because God wanted Gideon and the Israelites to know that it was him that was going to do it and not their own strength. God wanted to say, hey, look, I'm going to take care of you guys. And later on, God says, Gideon, are you still afraid? Yeah, I'm still afraid. Hey, I want you to take one of your guys with you. Go down, spy on them. Okay, God will go and do that. So he goes and spies on the guy, and this is like night. And the guy tells, one mini night tells the other mini night, I had this nightmare, and this is awful thing. And the other guy goes, That's Gideon. This is not good for us. And then Gideon gets the idea, Oh, wow, God really is with us. He's already stirring, stirring up fear within the Midian army about Gideon. God, every step of the way, is watching out for Gideon. Every step of the way, God has Gideon's back. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like if I just screw up once, God's going to be done with me. You guys ever feel like that? I've screwed up too many times, God's going to give up on me. God will never, ever give up on you. He might steer you in a certain direction. He might allow things to happen in your life to help put you back towards Him. But it's because... A loving father desperately wants you. So he gets his, his group of 300 into three separate groups and separates them. And in the night, they get these jars and they smash them. They get these lanterns, they hold them high. And they have their trumpets and they blow it and they yell, A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. It's a night, they're scared. The Midianites ran, crying as they fled. It even says the men turned on each other with swords. And you see how God used so few men to conquer these guys. And they fled. Gideon's men continued to chase after the Midianites until they are completely and totally defeated. God met Gideon where he was at. He equipped him. God was faithful at every step. And through Gideon, Israel was restored for a short time. In Judges 8, 22 and 23, it says, The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said, Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will I, nor my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. It's subtle there, but there's something missing. There's something missing from Gideon, and there's something missing from the Israelites. They conquered the Midianites with just 300 men. Yet the Israelites give credit to Gideon. Gideon, you saved us, and now we want to make you our king. Gideon is wise enough to say, no, God will be your king. But Gideon himself doesn't recognize to say, hey guys, it wasn't me. 
if you saw all the things God had to do to get me there, it's because of Him that we are saved. They were spiritually shallow. And because they were spiritually shallow, they fell right back into the same sin. In verse 24, it says, Gideon, he said, I do have one request, that each of you make, give me an earring from your share of the plunder, as uh, it was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. Basically, the plunder was basically repayment for his service, and that's nothing wrong with that. And he used all the plunder of the gold, and they melts it, and it makes like, almost like a vest that the, that the priest would have worn. And he uses it as a spot. For him, maybe it was a memorial. Like, hey, this is what God did for us. But the Israelites saw it as a way of worshiping it. And it says that, that it became a sneer to, to Gideon, to Gideon's family and the Israelites, and they quickly fell back into idolatry. And I was studying this, and I, couldn't, I, I love the story of Gideon. I love how God is so faithful, and he is, and how he works through us. But at the same time, I was like, man, Gideon saw this. How did he fall into this? How did this happen? But you know the reality? We can do the exact same thing. We can fall the exact same way. We may say, oh, we don't, we don't trust in idols. It's 2019, Jamie. What's going on? But an idol could be anything you put in before God. It may be a relationship. It may be a, a, your career. And careers are great. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of your family. But does it go before God? It could be friendships. It could be just simply your will over, over His. And whatever you do gets in the way of God. Become, it can become an idol to you. How can we be any different? First of all, recognize that any of us can fall. One of the great lines from Star Wars is, Han Solo says to uh, Luke, he says, uh, Luke does something great, he says, I got it, in his high-pitched voice. And he says, nice job, kid. Don't get cocky. You guys, nice job. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are loving Jesus. But don't get cocky. No, at any point, you can fall too. Stay humble. Be in the world, but not of it. God's called us to be lights out there. If you're shopping, be a light. Your coworkers, be a light. Your classmates, be a light. To your neighbors who are easy to love, be a light. To those who are hard, be a light. To those who cut you off on the freeway, be a light. And ask for God's forgiveness for saying something bad about them on the way there. But be in the world, but not of it. If the world's starting to rub off on you, make some alterations. Read your Bible. And maybe sometimes, I don't know, so for some of us, reading is actually hard. Some it's easy. Sometimes reading the Bible is super easy and just flows. And other times, it's a struggle. I really encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible. If your Bible is hard to read, there's some great translations, there's some great helps. I went to the Christian bookstore just recently um, to get myself a new Bible. I have this Bible as a NIV study Bible. It's been great. I love it. And somehow it got misplaced when I was studying a, a while ago. <laughs> it got misplaced. So I like to think someone stole it. 
Because someday there's going to be a testimony of someone saying, yeah, I was going to a hard place, and there's this really nice guy, and he had this Bible, and I took it because he's a Christian, he can't get mad at me, and now I'm serving Jesus, you know, because it sounds so much better than, yeah, I just misplaced my Bible. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping for that. <laughs> I remember a long time ago, my brother had this uh, bunch of cassettes, Christian artists, and like from the, of course, the 80s again, and someone stole it, think it was, who knows, and we're just... We always thought, well, maybe someday there'll be a sol- we'll hear about a testimony of someone going, yeah, I stole someone's cassettes and it's all this Christian music. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to get my lover to Jesus, you know. <laughs> Find yourself a good Bible and get into the Word. It will help rub off the world. It'll help you see God's perspective. It'll help remind you what things, many times you already know, but you just need to remember it. Gather together. Once again, good job, guys. Here we are. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We think sometimes people have a hard time making the church now. It's nothing new. They had a hard time back then. But God calls us to do that. When we're around fellow believers, we're encouraged to be a light. I love it that we have a prayer team and praying for people. Because sometimes we need someone to pray for us. I encourage you guys, if you guys need prayer, I love it that we have a prayer team. Come up for prayer, but you don't have to wait for that. Grab somebody here. There are people you get to know here, and you have a rough day. Send them a text. Hey, pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. I even got a text all the way from Russia from a guy asking me to pray for him. So, that was Jeff. Um, (laughs) That's where this comes together, guys. The fellowship keeps us running, keeps us going towards uh, towards God to be a light. Pray for strength and humility. And know that God is with you. We can look at Gideon's life and go, wow, God did all the great things, yet he still fell. That's okay. God still loves him. I think the real story is about how faithful God is to you. That God will lift you up. That God said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's true for you guys. God will never break his covenant with you. And his heart is for you to succeed, not to fail. It's a, it's a verse that's spoken many times, but it's still so true. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm just going to close in prayer here. But Dear God, I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. I thank you, Lord God, that we see your heart in, in Gideon's life. How Gideon kept on testing, asking, yet you said, sure, I'll do it. I'll prove it to you. I've got great plans for you. And Gideon got to see how he got to be used by God. Well, we know that message isn't just for a long time ago. It's for us today. That you have great plans for us. You've called us to to be a light, to love people right where they're at. Lord Jesus, give us a sensitivity to hear what people are going through, to know how to love them, how to pray for them, how to know what to say, what not to say. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that no matter what we've done, 
Your love for us is great. I thank you, Lord God, that you've covered our sin. I thank you, Lord God, that when we are hurting, no matter what the reason, you care what we're going through. I thank you, Lord, that as we call on you, you hear us. And I thank you, Lord God, that you give us salvation. Not just from sin, but from our life that's hard sometimes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless the people here today, Lord God. We bless the people who couldn't make it today. Bless the youth as they're coming uh, back from their, their, uh, their trip. I pray that it would have been a great time for them. In your awesome and glorious name, the church says, Amen, Amen. Have a great Sunday.